Walters is open for lunch Monday through Friday. Walters opens at noon for lunch, midday baseball watching, and even the occasional European soccer match. So if you find yourself around the ballpark during the day, make sure you walk on over to Walters. Walters is the place to be tonight. You can watch both the Nats and Wizards, and on Wednesday, it's loaded too. The Caps and the Nats each play. Plus, catch some of LeBron versus Steph. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's the set. 3-2. Runner holds. Swinging a drive to left field deep. Schwarber going back. He's at the wall. Looking up. It is gone. Goodbye. A home run the opposite way to left center field for Jason Hayward. It is his fourth home run of the year. And a two-run shot. And it's now the Cubs three and the Nationals nothing. Now the set of the 1-1. Swinging a line drive. Bam! Oh, diving stop. Horner in shallow right. Gets up. Throws to first in time for the outs. It looked like a hit off the bat into right. And Nico Horner was left. Makes a diving stab of it. Gets to his feet and throws out Castro to end the inning. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. Along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com, I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Another loss for the Nationals on Monday night. Where is a winning streak that we can sink our teeth into? The Nats, they giveth and the Nats taketh away. Fall to 16-21, and 21, a 7-3 loss at the Chicago Cubs on Monday night, game one of a four-game series. John Lester shelled in his return to Wrigley Field. Nats did hit two home runs, but otherwise just four singles and not much more. Just two at-bats the entire game with runners in scoring position. And Mark, here we are again with another lackluster performance and another Nationals loss. Yeah, this was not a real uh, interesting game for a lot of reasons, although I suppose if you were from Chicago... You really enjoyed it because you got to shower your conquering heroes, John Lester and Kyle Schwarber, with love in their return to Wrigley Field and then watch your team beat them in this game. I mean, it just felt like this was just a Lester and Schwarber show and there wasn't much else to it. And I know both said afterwards they got caught up a little bit in the emotions. I mean, they, they were getting standing ovation after standing ovation. It was constant throughout the entire night. I think they admitted that it did get emotional for them. And maybe early on in the game, they got caught up in a little bit, which you can understand. That was, you know, neither one of them got to leave Chicago on really their terms. And so to come back and and get to experience that, it meant a lot for them. But I also know that both of them wanted to perform better and they wanted to come out of there with a win. They didn't get that. And so it made this into a little bit of a bittersweet night for both of them as well as the Nationals. 
Yeah. Now, with Schwarber, I think it is getting exciting what he's doing here. He's looking a lot better. His numbers have shot up. We'll get to Schwarber coming up in a bit. But Lester, in a lot of ways, is the story. And John Lester was not good. Five runs in five and a third innings. He gave up eight hits, three homers, a double, and four singles. Did issue no walks, did have four strikeouts. And he did throw strikes. He threw 53 of his 76 pitches for strikes. But it really stood out the extent to which the Cubs ambushed Lester and the extent to which Lester struggled to keep the leadoff man from reaching base. Bottom of the first gives up a run, leadoff single by Wilson Contreras on a 1-2 pitch, single by Chris Bryant on an 0-2 pitch, and then a first pitch RBI sack fly by Anthony Rizzo. Lester gives up two runs, bottom of the second, leadoff single by Matt Duffy, followed by the full count two-run opposite field homer by Jason Hayward to left field. Another run, bottom of the third, first pitch, leadoff homer by Wilson Contreras to left field, and then a run in the bottom of the sixth, a one-out Opposite field solo homer by Javier Baez to right field. What would you say stood out to you watching Lester struggle as he did on Monday night? What stood out to me was how aggressive the Cubs were against him. Like you said, some of those were on the first pitch, and he was surprised by that. He admitted that because he knows these guys, obviously, and he knows them as being a pretty patient lineup. Then again, he also thought about it and said, okay, they know I generally throw strikes, so that might have been a calculated approach by them in this game. So I think, like I said, the first two innings, he was still maybe swept up in a little bit. He takes the mound for the bottom of the first and gets a huge ovation. They're playing his music. And we're going to stay right here. John Lester makes his way out to the mound. He did step off the mound and tip his cap. And I mean, that's an odd position to be in as a visiting player. He wasn't going to turn it down. He wasn't going to ignore it because it meant something to him. But I can imagine, again, you're going in there and you're facing, these are your good friends, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez. Like, these are not just former teammates. These are close friends who he was with for six years and won a World Series with. And so I think there was a little adjustment period there. And and he admitted it. He got better as the night went on, I guess. But what you see from him is that the margin for error, like we've talked about, he's got to keep it down in the zone. And when he doesn't, because he doesn't throw that hard, they can elevate the ball and hit it out of the park. And at Wrigley Field, it's not a difficult thing to do unless the wind's blowing in. And so to me, the story of this whole game was the Cubs put the ball in the air and the Nats didn't. And that's why they hit three home runs to the Nats two. And that's why they won the game. Yeah. Nats did not elevate to any real extent offensively. You know, with Lester, you mentioned the small margin of error and it's so true. He's not a high strikeout pitcher. I mean, we saw in that bottom of the first inning, he's got Contreras down one, two, gives up a single, has Bryant down 0-2, gives up a single. So you hated to see that, like, put away counts, unable to come through. Other thing to that with Lester is, while the run prevention was there over his first three starts, he's got over four starts now, a whip of 141. He's putting guys on base. And so he walks that tightrope. Like even in some of these games in which the run prevention was good, he puts people on base. And it's just, it's, it's a very dicey way to make a living as a starting pitcher. Like if you're going to keep doing that, boy, that control better be there. And especially if you're not missing bats, you're going to have games like this. I mean, it's not going to be six scoreless innings every time out if you're pitching to the tune of a 141 whip. And we obviously saw that on Monday night. Yeah, we have to remember he is their number four starter, maybe even number five when it's all said and done. And that's the reason why, is that he doesn't have that ability to really dominate the way that he used to. He's just trying to give them a chance to win. They brought him in to give him innings, to pitch every fifth day, to compete, come up big in some big games. And you know, in the big picture, I think they have to be pleased with what they've seen from him. This was not a good one for him. And and that's where he is going to get in trouble because he will be susceptible to the long ball 
especially against a lineup that knows him in a ballpark where it's easy to hit it out. You know, I don't want to rip on the guy too much for one bad start out of four, but he didn't give them a great chance in this one. It started early. It was, a you know, unusual circumstances facing his old teammates and it was unfortunate what happened. But on the flip side of that, and I know we're going to get to it, but I keep coming back to this. If you have a lineup that doesn't do much on its own, you can't dig him a hole like that. So again, the margin for error is really slim. So when you're John Lester and you're already walking a tightrope as it is, and your teammates aren't scoring for you, then that it just provides very little opportunity to make any mistakes. And so on a night when he made a few mistakes, that's all it took to lose the game. Yeah. He was worthy, by the way, of the crowd cheering him as it did. John Lester, we sort of touched on this on the last installment of the podcast, a guy who got a big money contract as a free agent pitcher and delivered on that contract, was with the Cubs for six seasons, signed a six-year, $155 million deal in December 2014, ultimately gave the Cubs a 364 ERA over 171 regular season starts. He was the MVP of that Cubs 2016 NLCS win over the Dodgers. And even with him struggling in his final two seasons with the Cubs, that ended up being a really good signing by Chicago. Like Max Scherzer, that is the gold standard for big money pitcher contracts working out. Lester is kind of on that next tier of that's another big money deal, lesser than what Scherzer got, but still big money deal that really did work out. Cubs have every right to look back upon Lester's time with the team favorably. They absolutely love him there. And we talked about this the other day. There are people in Chicago who believe that that's the best free agent signing, not just in Cubs history, but in Chicago sports history. They've had their share of pretty big names in Chicago across all those teams. So for them to bestow that kind of value to John Lester, that tells you what they think of him. And, and he's always going to be remembered along with that whole group as the guys who broke the curse, you know, the ones who finally got them there after 108 years. And so he is forever going to be beloved there. I mean, they kept telling the story about how when he left and he, you know, they couldn't do any kind of official farewell because it's in the middle of the pandemic last year. Well, he offered to pay for anyone who wanted to buy a beer, any Cub fan. And so many people took him up on it that it cost him $47,000. And he was happy to do it (laughs) because that's what they meant to him and what he means to them and everything else. So there is a love affair there. And you hope he ends up making some great memories with the Nationals, Schwarber as well. But when it's all said and done, John Lester is going to, for the rest of his life, be able to walk into any bar in Chicago or Boston and get a free drink because that's what he meant to both those franchises. That's a pretty amazing legacy to have. Yeah. I mean, he and Theo Epstein have that, right? Part of helping to be a part of two teams that had struggled for years in the postseason and obviously ended up changing those legacies with what went down. Hey everyone, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. So we've all had that dream, right? Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right, new users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have an account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's up to $25 back inside credit each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win. Games on Tuesday night include the Milwaukee Brewers at the Kansas City Royals at 8-10. Starting for the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff, who has a 164 ERA over eight starts so far this season. The Brewers look like the way to go. 
There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Here's the pitch. Swing a fly ball to deep center field. Back on this one to his half to the warning track to the wall, and there it goes! Kyle Schwarber has homered in his return to Wrigley Field. A line drive home run to dead center field is sixth of the year, and Schwarber hearing cheers as he rounds third and heads to the plate. As Schwarber makes this a one-run game, it's 4-3. to three. Schwarber said something to Rizzo on the way around first. And you know Schwarber enjoys that, and they're going to throw that ball back. So he'll get a souvenir, his 60th career home run at Wrigley Field. Brings the Nats within a run. All right, so Lester struggles. The Nats offense, though, struggles again. It was a game in which, yes, you got two homers, and we'll get to some of the positives in a moment, but 
It was another game in which the offense for way too much of the game just didn't do all that much. The Nationals score a run in the top of the third, two runs in the top of the fourth, and then that's it. Rest of the game, nothing but zeros on the scoreboard for the Nationals. Uh, Starling Castro, speaking of former Cubs, he's in a rut right now. 0 for 4 on Monday night. He's now 0 for 18 with two walks over his last four games. Uh, Jan Gomes had a rough game, 0 for 4, also had a throwing error, and that Cubs one run seventh inning. Victor Robles went 0 for 3 with a strikeout as the number nine batter. Juan Soto, one for four with a single. You know, Soto all of a sudden has become Castro. Nothing but singles here. He continues to have a hard time elevating and getting balls to to be extra base hits. You know, Josh Harrison went one for four with a single and a couple of strikeouts. It was just another one of these ho-hum games. Nats go 0 for two with runners in scoring position. Just two at-bats the entire game with runners in scoring position. Everything was on the ground. Everything. For the first seven innings of this game, they only hit four balls in the air. They were all hits, two singles and two homers. Everything else was on the ground and wasn't out. And that's just not a way to be successful in baseball, certainly not in 2021. I suppose if you're playing at the old Bush Stadium in the 1980s on the artificial turf, you can win with ground balls, get a bug on the rug and and have it roll all the way to the fence for a double or a triple. That's not baseball in 2021. That's not going to work. And this has become a team-wide problem. And I don't know why exactly that is. I mean, we've, we've seen Soto struggle with this for a while now. You know, you do believe that he's going to get out of it, but it's not just him. It's across the board. They are not elevating balls at all, and it is costing them tremendously. They're just not giving themselves chances. And, you know, they tend to have one big inning a game. And if they get another chance late in the game, you just don't really feel like it's going to happen. I mean, they loaded the bases in the eighth. You know what they are with the bases loaded now this year? Six for 40. And that's awful. Just absolutely awful. And now Castro, you know, it was a great play by the second baseman, Horner, but it wasn't particularly well struck. It was, it was, it would have been a seeing eye single if it got through. And I mean, this is just where they are right now. And it's funny because their hitting coach, Kevin Long, is the master of the launch angle. He was the guy who brought this to the Yankees and the Mets and then the Nats. And they are not launching anything right now. So that's what I wanted to get to with you. Long is known as this launch angle guy. Daniel Murphy swore by Kevin Long. And it got a little weird this past offseason, right, where we thought Kevin Long was out, and then it turns out that he was back in. I'm not a big believer in firing coaches because I I don't know that they really impact things as much as we think. Like the idea that it's Kevin Long's fault that the Nats aren't elevating this season, I have a hard time buying into that. But do you get any sense, especially with things having gotten a little weird between Long and the organization in the offseason, that his spot as the Nats hitting coach might be in jeopardy. I mean, it is true. Soto's not elevating. Josh Bell has had a hard time elevating. Nationals overall have been a very disappointing offensive team so far this year. I think it's a fair question to ask. And I think in part because if you remember two years ago, it was, I think it was like May 1st when they fired Derek Lilliquist, the pitching coach, and promoted Paul Menhart. And that caught people by surprise just because of how early in the season it was. And we know that Menhart went on to help lead the pitching staff the World Series title. And now two years later, he was let go. The circumstances with Long and the winner, for those who don't really know, it it was weird. But here's ultimately what happened. His contract was up. He was seeking a long-term deal. He had had a three-year deal previously from the Nats. He had always had long-term deals because we're very well-respected within the sport. The Nats said to him, we can't do that. So if you want to go look around and see what might be available, go ahead and do that. And then what happened is word got out that he was out. And it came across as though he was fired when, in fact, he was just looking for other jobs, he wound up not getting a multi-year offer from anybody. And so he came back to the Nats and they said, well, yeah, we'd like to have you back in front of one-year deal. And he took it. So I think the issue was more that it got out 
that the contract situation that made it seem like he was fired when it was really more of just a contract issue and they did want him back, just not for multiple years. Now, sure, at some point, you can always hold the hitting coach accountable. The only issue here, I don't know they have somebody waiting in the wings. Troy Gingrich is their minor league hitting coordinator, not somebody I've really heard of as like an up-and-comer, you know, next big-time hitting coach. So I don't know what the alternative is, but certainly they have not performed the way that you would expect a Kevin Long lineup to perform. But the fact that the Nats didn't want to give him a multi-year deal, I mean, that in and of itself kind of suggests they're not in love with the guy. But I guess the question would be, was that a Mike Rizzo decision or was that a learner's decision that the learners didn't want to give him a multi-year deal? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the exact answer to that. What I would say is a couple of things. Multi-year deals for coaches are not that common. You know, a big-time pitching coach, a big-time hitting coach like Kevin Long, you know, they've gotten them. I remember Mike Maddox got a, a two-year deal for the Nats a few years ago. They're not super common. And yeah, you could say, hey, here's somebody who helped you win a World Series and he's obviously well-respected within the sport. Why wouldn't you give it to him? Well, coming off a pandemic year where everybody lost money and maybe they're trying to find ways to cut back. If he was that valuable, I figure somebody else would have offered him two years because I think he would have taken it if somebody gave it to him and nobody else did. That's why I came back. So that's why I think it may be less about dissatisfaction on the natural side and more just a money issue that maybe it was an issue across the sport. It was weird. Don't get me wrong. It was weird, but I don't necessarily think that had anything to do with any dissatisfaction on their part for not believing that he was a good hitting coach. Well, it is something to monitor. We saw the Mets recently clean house when it came to their hitting coach. And again, I, I think a lot of this hitting coach, pitching coach stuff can be very overrated. So I'm, I'm not trying to say that like Kevin Long is the reason for all this, but we do see teams do this all the time. Offense is struggling. What do you do? Fire the hitting coach, that kind of a thing. Now, there were some offensive bright spots for the Nationals in this game. We should not overlook them. Trey Turner, another terrific outing for him. Number one batter in the lineup, one for three, solo homer and a walk, a two out solo shot and the top of the third to left field on a shot that nearly left Wrigley Field. That was some kind of ball that traveled off the bat of Trey. And then also he had a one-out five-pitch walk in the top of the eighth. Mark, Trey Turner has 10 home runs over 37 games. He is tracking towards a 40-homer season. A 40-homer season is not tracking to a 40-stolen base season. Like if I said to you, which of those two would he get to 40 most likely? You'd say stolen bases, not home runs. Well, so far he's on pace for the homers. He's still on pace for like 30 plus stolen bases. But here's the troubling part to me. I mean, it's going to go back to a subject that we've talked about many times. He's got 10 homers. He's only got 21 RBI. And when you're leading off and you're hitting solo home runs, this is what happens. They're not maximizing them. Robles didn't get on in front of him as the quote unquote second leadoff hitter in this game. Look, he's comfortable leading off. Davey clearly is most comfortable with him there, but they're not maximizing what they get from him. I don't know if there's an answer to that. It's just not going to happen. Maybe they just don't want him to hit third behind Soto. Not that Soto's getting on base a lot himself, so that's not going to make a big difference. So you just stick with him. You hope ultimately that he can do some damage with runners on base, but he is very much putting together another big time season. He deserves to be on that list with every other great shortstop in the game, and he deserves the contract that every one of those shortstops has already gotten or will be getting. And we haven't talked about it much lately, but every day that passes without the Nationals re-signing Trey Turner is another dollar added to that contract that he's ultimately going to get, whether it's from the Nationals or someone else. So initially with the Trey Turner contract stuff, I was like, all right, this is a doable deal. It probably is something you could do for well under $200 million. As time is going on here, it's looking less and less like that's going to be the case. Like you may have to get to that $200 million threshold, if not more. Now, I don't think he's going to get $300 million, especially given his age too. He's, he's older than like Tatis and some of these other guys 
But it sure seems like that number, ultimately, for Trey, whether it's from the Nats or somebody else, is going to start with a two. The way that the market is going right now and what the other shortstops are getting and, and the fact, like I said, that he ranks right up with their, with them and he's playing good defense on top of that. You know, he may not be the best defensive shortstop in the league, but he's been above average so far this year. Yeah, he's a bit of a unique player. When you add the speed to everything else that he does, there just aren't that many other players in baseball right now who have his particular skill set. And, you know, maybe the best thing the Nats will have going for them in this case is that there are so many star shortstops and a bunch of them are going to be free agents this winter that there's only so many teams that can afford them. So if Turner doesn't get a deal done this year, an extension, and he goes into next year as his walk year, and you know five other teams sign the big name shortstops, I don't know how many are going to be left for him. So it may depress the market in some ways in a bizarre way, but he certainly deserves to be paid as well as any of the rest of them because he is on par with all of them, if not better in some ways. He's done a great job. This is his age 28 season. So if the Nats don't sign him before free agency, he will be going into free agency into his 30s, which will hurt the cause. But beyond that, I mean, the hitting obviously has blossomed. The defense has been so much better so far this year. Coming into games on Monday, Trey Turner led the Nats in terms of position players in war for baseball reference 1.9. That's more than double the war of any other Nats position player on the season. Like it's not even close the extent to which Trey Turner has been the Nats most valuable position player on the season. So another good job by Trey on Monday night. Another good job by Kyle Schwarber on Monday night. I tell you what, he seems to be settling in quite nicely to being the Nats cleanup batter. Two-run homer and a walk, a two-run homer to center field in the top of the fourth, and then a two-out four-pitch walk in the top of the eighth. It was not a successful homecoming for John Lester. It was for Kyle Schwarber. And Kyle Schwarber now, over his last 11 games, has raised his OPS by 178 points. He's gone from having a 572 OPS to a 750 OPS. And just like that, Kyle Schwarber now, we could say he's no longer struggling. He's in the midst of a, you know, decent to maybe even good season. And, you know, he's got to maintain this clearly, but he's kind of out of that rut. It's been a really nice thing to see develop here. Yeah, it has happened. And, and it wasn't just one game where it all clicked. It's sort of like a slow development to get to this point. What I really like is that he's driving the ball to the opposite field in the center field. He's not just pulling. Remember those first two walk-off homers that were, you know, absolute gargantuan home runs, they were both pulled. When he's going well, he is able to hit it the other way. He's talked about that. And if they're pitching him on the outside corner, he needs to be able to drive the ball to the opposite field. He needs to do what Juan Soto has done so much in his career and is not doing right now. So that to me is a very encouraging sign and, and reason to believe that this can be sustainable. You know who else had a nice night is Josh Bell. Two hits, a walk, he also went to the other, to the opposite field. One of those was 111 miles an hour off the bat. He's got far, you know, longer to go than Schwarber to get out of this thing. And we've been fooled by him a couple of times here, but that I thought was good. And maybe we're seeing a little bit of some signs from him to suggest it's better. Although he did not have a great at bat in the eighth inning, two on, one out, and he swung at the first pitch and popped it up to right field. That's what Bell still needs to do. Like he's starting to produce, but not in the really big moments. And that's what they need from this team because they only get a couple of them a game. They need Bell and Schwarber and Castro to deliver in those big moments. And that's not happening. No, it's not. Bell on Monday night, two out full count single, top of the first leadoff single in the Nats, two run fourth, one out full count walk and the top of the six. What did you make of Davey batting Josh Bell third on Monday night? I've sort of given up trying to figure this one out. I, you know, I think he is committed to Turner and Soto one and two. And he says, those are our best hitters. Trey is comfortable leading off. I want to give Soto as many bats as possible. And in the long run, we need Josh Bell to be a hitter for us. So I'm going to put him third. He, he said 
I asked him about a pregame. He doesn't want to keep rotating those around. He wants somebody to show they can consistently do it. I think he's just going to pick whoever he believes on that given night is the best option against that opponent. On this game, it was Bell. Um, I just, I don't know what the alternative is. Other than letting Trey Turner hit behind him, I just don't know what else they do. But in the long run, it is going to cost them. If Soto figures it out, and he hasn't figured it out yet, but if he does figure it out, he's going to get pitched around all the time. And whoever it is hitting behind him, whether it's Bell, Schwarber, Zimmerman, Castro, Turner, whoever it is, that person is going to have to be able to deliver. It has not happened. That wasn't the problem with tonight's game, but in the long run, that is going to be an issue. If things don't work out for Josh Bell here, no one can ever say it wasn't because Davey didn't give Josh Bell opportunity. I mean, how many guys in the majors with a sub-600 OPS are batting third in 2021, and yet Josh Bell was doing that on Monday night? Now, like you said, Bell actually had a decent game, but I saw that before the game. I'm like, what is this? But who else are you going to put there? I don't know. Anyone not named Josh Bell? I mean, Kyle <laughs> Schwarber's doing a good job. I mean, I know Castro's struggling, but he's been better this year. Gomes has had a good season offensively. So I just want to make clear here, though. This tells you where the state of things is, is that you just mentioned Jan Gomes as a viable number three hitter. I know. <laughs> That's where we stand right now. But the season he's had, you could say, given the candidates, he's actually a viable candidate. Didn't have a good game on Monday night, but that's the way things have been so far this year. Yeah. I mean, you're right. But that is the ultimate indictment right there of what this lineup has become, that the names that we're throwing out there to hit third because they just don't have anyone. Yeah. And, and, And that's why, you know, we pick all these nits with Davies lineups. But at the end of the day, he's at the mercy of this roster, which is flawed as we keep coming back to. And that's a real problem. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey, Nats Chat listeners, Tim Shover's here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. Have you experienced existential dread or spent an afternoon thinking about a cringeworthy thing you did five or ten years ago? We've all got our own battles, but that shouldn't mean we have to fight them alone. Luckily, CBD Sunday Scaries has you covered. It's perfect for super moms, professionals in the grind, students, creatives, party animals, drunk texters, and everyone in between. Just go to sundayscaries.com to make your order and enter the promo code NATSCHAT. That will save you 25% off your first order. Again, go to sundayscaries.com, enter the promo code NATSCHAT, and you'll save 25% off your first order. Let me tell you, as someone who struggles with sleep my entire life, this has been the perfect antidote for that. I've slept so well this baseball season ever since I got in touch with Sunday Scaries, and I guarantee you'll feel the same way. So go to sundayscaries.com, enter the promo code NATSCHAT, and save 25% off your first order. Before we get to the game on Tuesday night, Steven Strasburg has joined the Nationals, was with them at Wrigley Field, scheduled to throw an extended bullpen session on Tuesday. Is this the final test before activating Stras or not necessarily? It sure seems like it to me. If they didn't think he was ready, why would they have him join them in Chicago? Why would they have him throw a bullpen session, which, by the way, two days after his start, that would typically be what he would do and then start a game three days later. It sure seems to me like that's what they want to do. You know, they're not going to come out and say it yet because they want to make sure that he you know, doesn't have any setbacks while he's out there. So it sounds to me like he is going to be starting this weekend against the Orioles. I think the only question now is, will Eric Fetty also start? We talked about this the other day. 
Joe Ross is already lined up to start Thursday at Wrigley. They can't really get out of that because there's nobody else who'd be available for that game. Then it's a matter of, do you just plug Strasburg into Fetty's spot on Friday? Or would you let Fetty start one of those games, Strasburg start one of them, and then you can make your decision after all that where you want to go moving forward? I think that's a possibility here. It's sort of a six-man rotation just for this one time around and to sort of delay that decision a little bit. But based on everything we've heard about Strasburg, it sounds like he's ready to go. And I don't know there's a lot of value to having him go back to Rochester and pitching again. Has anyone with Strasburg in Chicago checked his hotel room to see if there's mold or are we okay with that? <laughs> I, I have not been on mold patrol. For those who don't remember that bizarre moment from a wild 2017 National League Division Series. But you know what? After all the craziness of that, he came out the next day and in game four and pitched at, at that point the game of his life. And that was the day that I think he changed the narrative around him. I know some things have happened since then that, you know, he's still gotten hurt, but that to me was the day that he stepped up and and Nationals fans understood that he wasn't this, you know, wilting flower, that he was a big game pitcher, which he again proved in 2019. That press conference that Dusty Baker gave when he talked about the mold (laughs) is an all-timer. I will never forget that as long as I talk sports. You don't even know what it was like in the room as we're all looking at each other, trying to figure out what is he talking about? What is going on here? That was a strange, strange day. Yes. And then eventually you had the strange game five and Dusty was no longer the Nationals manager. All right. Game two, Nats at the Cubs Tuesday night, 740. Patrick Corbin versus Zach Davies. Uh, Here we go again with the Nats lineup facing a pitcher who has not had a good season so far. Zach Davies has an ERA of 560 over eight starts. So watch him throw eight scoreless innings on Tuesday night. But uh, Corbin, Corbin's coming off a really good game. Uh, What he did in the 5-1 win over the Phillies at Nationals Park last Thursday afternoon, one run in seven innings, nine strikeouts. It would be lovely to see him come out and duplicate that here. I think if he does that or pitches close to that, we can maybe finally say, you know what? Patrick Corbin has been fixed and the Corbin of 2019, more or less, is with us here in 2021. Yeah, I agree. Now, let's also remember that this hasn't been a normal week for him. You know, his wife gave birth to their first child. So he, he's been away from them on paternity leave. And, um, you know, I, I think all the signs are that he was able to throw a bullpen session somewhere along the way, keep himself ready to go. But who knows what kind of physical shape he's in, how much sleep he's gotten before this game. So let's see. And hey, at Wrigley Field, the margin for error is so slim. If it's a warm day and the wind is blowing out at all, like watch out. You got to be careful. So he's got to be on point with his command. All the signs have been trending in the right direction for him, though. And I think not that he has to dominate as long as he's got a decent, you know, solid start for them. I think we can move closer to that point to saying that he is fine and that those first couple of awful outings to begin the year are well behind him. He has looked like 2019 Patrick Corbin, and and they've needed that. No doubt. So hopefully he keeps it going on Tuesday night. Hopefully the Nats get a win. We do want to let you know Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts are on sale. They are going like hotcakes right now. It's been great to see, but uh, there are still plenty available to you. So get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. Great looking shirts. You can Order yours by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. That's natschatpodcast.square.site. Also, we're going to start something new on the Nats Chat Podcast. We want to hear from you. We want your voicemails. And you can do this with your smartphone, with your cell phone, your iPhone. Just record a voice memo, which is very easy to do. If you have an iPhone, just literally search for the app. Type in voice. It'll pop up. You can record yourself saying something about the Nationals, about the podcast, if you like. And you can email it to us 
at the Nats Chat Podcast. And we can essentially start taking phone calls on the podcast. It'll be taped, but you get the idea. Uh, so record a voice memo, talk about the Nationals or whatever you want, I guess. And you can email those to us, natschatpodcast at gmail.com, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. Remember also, if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, you can email Tim Shovers at that address as well, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us too, at Nats underscore chat. Are you prepared, Mark? You know, you've entered in the world of sports talk here. Are you prepared for that next level now of taking phone calls and hearing from the people about what you're talking about? I was just thinking, Al, this could be dangerous. <laughs> There's a lot of different directions this could go. I hope it goes well. And it'll be great to hear from people, actually, their voices instead of just their emails and tweets. But let's keep it civil here, everyone. You know, you've got a, a pertinent question to ask us or comment to make, you know, by all means, please do. But let's stay civilized here. Let's not go crazy. This could get interesting, but it could also be wildly entertaining. We shall see. Uh, all Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chatter, courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to everyone for the continued support of the podcast. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. You know, a lot of my team is kind of under the weather with the change of weather and the air conditioning in the hotel and the air conditioning here. And this is time of the year, you know, for mold around Chicago. I think it's mold because I got I mean, I have it too. So it's a little inconvenient for us, you know, because we just don't go back home. We have to change hotels now and uh, because our all our rooms are, are given away and, and sold out because they hadn't planned on us being there and the hotels are in business. So. Uh, we'll stay in another hotel tonight.